Amen. Grab your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and uh, we will look here this morning at verses 1 through 3. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and while you're turning there, uh, let me just say how thankful I am for you uh, being here today, and uh, thankful for Pastor Chad, just in his leadership and uh, really uh, thankful for the opportunity to share in God's word with you today. We don't take it lightly and uh, just cherish any time we can come to God's word and, uh, and, and lead you in that. I also want to thank all those joining us today via our live stream. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of what God is doing here. And then also for everyone at the main campus, whether you're at the, the worship center there or in the uh, venue service, thank you so much for uh, just your partnership in the gospel with us. Thank you for your love and your support of us here at Reach Church. For some of you, this is your very first time uh, in the room uh, or with us here in DeSoto, and we just want to welcome you, and we hope that you enjoy uh, your time with us today. The Lord truly is doing something uh, just amazing among us, isn't he? It's so amazing to see how he's deepening us and how he's growing us and, and just how he's allowing us to be on mission uh, for him out in this community, and we just don't take it lightly, uh, getting to serve the King of Kings together with you. Well, 1 Peter chapter 2 this morning, and uh, let's read verses 1 through 3. Just follow along as I read these, and then we'll uh, dig into this. The Bible says this, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And let's pray this morning and we'll get into it. Lord, we love you. Uh, Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for the hearts of your people that are, uh, Lord, just prone to seek you and to be faithful. And God, we ask that you would speak to your people today. God, I ask that you would uh, just speak through me uh, the words you'd have me to say in a clear and in a powerful way. And Father, for everyone in the room this morning, Lord, that you would uh, just connect with them, Lord, that you draw their hearts to you, and that, Father, we would be changed as we open your word and are faithful to follow it. Lord, for all that you do, we thank you. We ask in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Well, you know, it's so exciting to see growth, isn't it? Uh, right now, we're in the, the midst of spring, and it's just like it finally got here, uh, right? It's like it was taken forever, but here we are. We got some sunshine. We got some rain, and that is a, a surefire combination for growth. We see it all around us. The, the, the grass is growing green, and uh, really the, the branches of the trees are budding. The spring flowers are popping up, and it's just exciting to see uh, that growth every year, especially after winter, just that season of, of barrenness and stagnation. Uh, I love seeing growth. It's exciting seeing growth in the lives of our children, isn't it? Uh, my two daughters finishing up kindergarten and second grade, and that means that they are thick into learning how to read. And while they're at varying stages of that, it's just exciting as everywhere we go, they try to sound out words and they're, sometimes they're in competition in between one another. As we're driving around town, they're looking at billboards and looking at restaurants and looking at uh, just all the communication around them. And my wife and I chuckle as they try to figure these words out. It's also how we realize we have some really funny street names in this city, don't we? Uh, just some really, who came up with that? Um, I guess that's every city. But our son Everett, 
our, our wild man, he turns three tomorrow. And we just are so thankful for him and, and for the growth that's happening right in front of our eyes. But, but with that birthday comes a trip to the doctor. And uh, we're going to take him in there, and the doctor's going to check up on him, and they're going to uh, see uh, how he's doing. They're going to base his growth on the different measures and metrics available to them, and they're going to give us some feedback uh, if there's anything in his life that, that might be prohibiting uh, future growth. And much like the, the physical health checkups that we should go to uh, every year with a doctor to kind of gauge how we're doing physically, it's very wise for us to go to God's word and to have a bit of a spiritual checkup as well. You see, as exciting it is as seeing growth out there in the world, growth in the life of a Christian is very exciting. And getting to be a part of a church plant, we've been able to testify that growth is exciting and it's contagious. Growth in the life of new believers is very exciting. But growth in any, at every stage is exciting. Have you, have you ever seen newlyweds, you know? Just, just, that, just that, that spark that they have. Uh, maybe oldlyweds, right? Uh, they just, you love people that, that love being together and growth is exciting. But I wanna say this, while growth is exciting and while growth is, is necessary, you know, it's necessary for us to grow, to, to reach our potential in Christ, growth is not automatic, just because you're here today in a seat doesn't necessarily mean that you are growing spiritually. It's exciting, it's, it's necessary, but it is not automatic. So what we're gonna seek to do really during our time this morning is just try to answer one question. And that question is this, what does it take for us to grow? And we could make it maybe a more personal question and you could ask yourself this this morning, what does it take for you to grow? As we go to God's word, I think we see the very first uh, example of this here in verse number two, where the Bible says that it, it is the pure milk of the word that causes us to grow. So number one this morning, what will it take for us to grow? We have to understand the source of our growth. The word of God is referred to here in 1 Peter chapter two as pure milk, and it's pure because by itself, it has the power to provide sustenance and nourishment to the one who partakes in it. The word of God doesn't need anything added to it. And we dare not taint it or, or mix in any of man's wisdom. All by itself, it is pure and it is real and it is able to make one grow all by itself. Not only is the word of God your source of growth as a Christian, but it is also the source by which you first became a Christian. Back up with me just a few verses to verse 23 of 1 Peter chapter 1. There the apostle writes, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. When Peter references that word which was preached to you, he is referring to the specific word of the gospel. It is the gospel that when someone believes it, it's the imperishable seed that produces new life in them, which will endure forever. 
Paul writes of this gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. There he says, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preach to you unless you believed in vain. Do you remember what Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says? For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. James 1.18 says this, in the exercise of his will, he gave us birth through the word of truth. The word of God is the source for our spiritual growth as a Christians. It's not a program. It's not something that you attend and then check off. It's not something that can be conjured up in its new age. The source of your growth is the word of God. God's word gives life, it, 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 it nourishes life, and it sustains life. We should have appetites for the word of God. But if this is truly the case, if the word of God has such power to give new life and to, to provide for us fresh growth, why is it that we aren't in the word of God more, right? Right? If this be true about God's word and its power and its ability, why is it that sometimes we, we walk right through our quiet times not giving it the attention that we need? Why is it that sometimes when, when, when the spirit of God convicts us in our life to, to, to spend some time growing in God's word, we, we push right past it and go into something that we deem more important? Well, this is because there is a real obstacle that stands in the way between our growth in the word and where we are at in our life. And we read of that obstacle in verse number one of chapter two. There the Bible says we should put aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. These are sins that stand in the way of our growth through the word of God. So how can we grow? What will it take for us to grow? Not only should we understand our source of growth as being God's word, but we must identify the hindrance to our growth, that great hindrance being sin. The Bible uses the word malice here, and that is just an encompassing word for all sorts of wickedness. And then he goes on and gives some more specific uh, sins that most uh, of them deal with relational sins. But just that word malice could be used there in place of all those sins. It's, just, it's any kind of wickedness that holds us back, that stands in, in the way of us getting to the word of God. Notice that it's not a lack of time that's our greatest obstacle. Notice that it's not a lack of opportunity that is our greatest hindrance in getting into the word of God. Also notice that since we are born again of imperishable seed from God, our heavenly father, a desire to grow is innately in our spiritual nature. As children of God, we have an innate desire to, to yearn for his word. So this also cannot be our greatest hindrance. It most assuredly is the sin in our life that we have not yet dealt with and put aside. Now listen, we will never fully be eliminated from sins in our life on this side of glory. But the calling on the Christian is that we would strive 
We would be actively striving to put aside sins in our life that are holding us back from getting into God's word. And so the question we want to ask this morning is, how is that battle going for you? How is the the battle against sin in your life going? Are you actively engaged in fighting the, the, the war against the strongholds of sin in your life? Unfortunately, there can be no downtime. There is no neutral ground because we know that that, that, that sins are on the attack against us. And when Peter writes here, we should be putting aside these sins, it's really opposite to to clinging to these sins, right? Like we all know have, we've all had those times in our life maybe where where we've clung to something, we just, just, it took everything to rip us away from it. Putting aside is the opposite of clinging to And when we cling to our sins, it drives us, it drives our life in the opposite direction from the word of God, which will expose and will confront the sins that are ailing our lives. Remember, the word will keep you from sin or sin will surely keep you from the word. Putting aside our sins is this idea of of, of taking off a dirty garment, right? You've got a soiled garment. You have to take it off, lay it aside and move forward. Now, this became, became very apparent to me when I got married. You know, uh, no longer could I be working in the garage or working in the barn or come in from a, a long day at work and just plop down on the couch with my dirty clothes on. You know what I mean? Uh, any guys ever been there? You come in from a long day at work and your wife takes one look at you. That ain't coming in here, you know? Those are now garage clothes. You know what I mean? You don't even want to wash them, right? They're just past the point of no return, um, Never forget a couple years ago when I was able to uh, shoot my very first deer, and it was uh, it was a, a really uh, a, a highlight of my life up to this point. And I got to put down my first deer, and I'll, I'll be honest with you guys: when I was out there dealing with it in the field, getting it ready to get dropped off at the processor, I, I didn't care about the mess I was making. Right? I didn't care that I had blood on my on my boots or on my pants or, or on my on my coat. And when I got home, I thought my wife would be equally excited as I was to bear uh, the sign of my victory, but she was not. Right? Uh, she wanted no none nothing to do with with those dirty, soiled clothes. I had to take them off. I had to lay them aside. This was illustrated beautifully in the early church in ancient Christian uh, baptism ceremonies. Those being baptized would customarily take off and discard the clothes that they wore to that ceremony. Following their baptisms, they would put on brand new robes that they received from the church. And this exchanging of clothes, it symbolized the salvation reality that they were laying aside the old life and they were putting on the new life. Now listen, if such a transformation has truly happened in our lives, We should be striving. We should be working hard to put aside all sins in our life that have become a hindrance between us and getting in God's word. Sin weighs you down. It smothers you. It wants to jump on your back and drive you into a a season of apathy and a season of condemnation where you don't go to God's word because you don't feel like you have the right to. And that is completely opposite to the gift that Christ has given us by, by give, giving us a new nature through our, through our salvation. We have rights. We must go to God's word. 
In Ephesians chapter four, verse 27, the Bible says, do not give the devil an opportunity, right? And that's an offensive verse, right? We, 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 need, we need to get into our life and get on the offense and look at all of our, all of our schedules and, and all of our, our, our passions and our allegiances, and we should get on the offensive and not giving the, the devil any opportunity. Do you know those, those sins in your life that have a tendency of coming after you? Do you know those sins in your life that have a seat, that have a, uh, in certain seasons or in certain uh, points in your week, right? When you're high or when you're low, we must not give the devil any opportunity. And then remember what 1 Peter chapter 5 says. In verse 8 and 9, be of sober spirit. The Bible says, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, pours around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Don't you love that? We, as children of God, can resist the devil through the power of God that's alive in us, standing firm in your faith. What does it take for us to grow? I think it takes us understanding where growth comes from. The source of our growth is the living and enduring word of God. We have to secondly identify hindrances to our growth. What is that sin that is holding us back from truly being committed to the life-giving source of the word of God? I think thirdly, we have to evaluate our desire to grow. Do you want it? Do you want to, to make up ground spiritually? The apostle Peter gives us a vivid comparison to what our desire for God's word should be like. Peter says, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow. These words long for, that they communicate a strong desire or craving for something. What is the strongest craving or desire in your life? It's a, it's, a, it's a sobering question. Paul uses this Greek word seven times in his New Testament writings. We'll look at just three of them this morning. In Romans chapter one, verse 11, Paul writes, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you and so that you may be established. Paul says, I long to see you. See, he, he loved the, 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 the churches that he was writing to. He, he, he loved these new believers and, and he, he sought to see them established in the truth. Secondly, we'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter five. And in verse two, the Bible says this, for indeed in this tent we groan. This tent, this house that he's referring to is the, uh, the this, um, our physical bodies, right? It's these declining uh, ailed by sin, you know, bodies aren't getting any better, right? And, and our bodies physically, as saved people, they are groaning. Uh, we groan, we, we yearn, we long to be in our, in our new bodies, right? We long for what's coming to us, those heavenly bodies that we will be, we will be with Christ. And then finally, Philippians 1.8, for God is my witness, how I long for you all, with all the affection of Christ Jesus. In each of these instances, the writer expresses an intense, a recurring, and an insatiable desire or a passion for something. And what we need to understand is that this is what our desire should be like for God's word. Do you long for growth spiritually? Are you desperate for it? 
What, where is your level of passion at when it comes to God's word? You know, we're a passionate people, aren't we? We get passionate about all kinds of things. We live in, in the midst of a passionate city. We, we, we live in the current just climate of our world. People are passionate about lots of different things. Everyone wants to raise their banner high and get behind a cause, right? As believers, we should be equally, if not more, passionate about the source of our hope, the, the source of our growth, which is the living and enduring word of God. I live with the psalmist writes in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. This is an intense desire and longing to, to know God deeper and to, and, and to learn of him and to connect with him. Well, look at the comparison that Peter uses. He could have used a lot of different comparisons. He could have used, for instance, the, maybe the longing that, that a husband and a wife has for a spouse. Couldn't he have? That intense, that, that, that longing. He could have used the, the, the intense desire that a very hungry person has for food. Some of you, that's you right now. That's your testimony right now. Longing for food. You ever been just extremely hungry? And then when that food got to you, man, that, oh, that longing just being fulfilled. What about just the desire that maybe a, um, a parent has for a spiritually wayward child? That's a deep longing. What about the longing we have to be reunited with someone who has gone on to eternity before us? What about the longing that, that the church and the believer has for the unsaved? We long and we desire to see them saved, don't we? Peter could have used any of those, and they would have accurately depicted what he wanted the reader to get in, in regards to desiring God's word. But he chose none of those. He chose the desire that a baby has for milk. When a baby is born, the desire for its mother's milk is instant and it's desperate. The baby's first expressed longing is for its mother's milk and it's its greatest need because without it, the baby does not grow and without milk, the baby dies. Such is true in the life of a believer our greatest expressed longing should be our desire for the word of God by which we, we, we learn of God, by which we claim the promises of God. We are confronted with the very workings and nature of our Savior on these pages. Not only should it be our greatest expressed longing, but it is also our deepest and most uh, foundational need because without this, we also die. Our life depends on it. That is why we've made a commitment at this church to always let the word of God be the, be, be, be the foundation of all that we say and do. I love what Jeremiah wrote in chapter 15 and verse 16 of the Old Testament book. Jeremiah cherished the word of God in a very, very difficult and barren time. And he writes this, he says, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. When have you been in a season and you found that God's words were the delight of your heart? Not something physical, not something you could buy, not something you could go out and obtain, 
but it was the living word of God that became exactly what you needed. That's what we're talking about this morning. In, in, in the day and age which we live, there's informational junk food everywhere. And when you consume that, it creates a very malnourished Christian. But what we need to do as the church is commit to regular, regular nourishment from God's word. By it, we become strong. And by it, we grow. Well, not only, I think, does it take us understanding the source of our growth, not only should we identify hindrances to our growth, and not only should we evaluate uh, really our, our desire to grow, but fourthly here in verse two, we see that we need to align the objective in our growth. Now, what is it that we're shooting for when it comes to growth, right? What is it that is the goal? What is it that we aim for when it comes to growth? Because growth happens in a lot of different ways out there in the world. But the Bible says here in verse number two that we should, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it we may grow in respect to salvation. In respect to salvation. When it comes to true spiritual growth, the only growth that matters is growth in respect to salvation. And this is growth towards Christian maturity. This is continuing to make God the Lord of your life in every area of life. It's not letting anything else rule you, right? And and when it comes to growth out there in the world, everyone's achieving growth. Everyone wants to grow. It's just that they're growing in things that don't matter what the the most, right? That they want to grow maybe in the workplace. They want to have growth in their careers. A lot of folks want to grow in regards to their education. And we see a lot of emphasis put on that, almost to the point where it's crippling for, for students who are graduating up into that culture. People want to grow in regards to their physical fitness, don't they? You ever been driving somewhere out early in the morning and, and, and you see those people heading to the gym, right? Like I always admire them. Like they're, I can't believe they're up and at it and, and they want to grow in regards to their physical fitness. A lot of people are super committed to that. A lot of folks want to grow in regards to their sports and, and their, 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 the way that they can achieve the highest level in the, in the sports world. But when it comes to Christian growth, we have to understand that the same gospel which initiated us into our new life is that same gospel which will now mature us into the new life. We see this beautifully depicted in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. The Bible says, but we all with unveiled face are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Now listen, you will begin to reflect what you behold, Okay? So just like I said, if you are endeavoring to grow in all the wrong places, you, will, you, you may achieve that, but you, your life will start to reflect that that is your greatest allegiance. And we must understand that as we open the word of God and we behold the very face of God, we too will start to reflect him. We are being transformed into his image, and that's how the world sees more of us as we see more of Christ The world sees Christ through us. And when we go to the word, it's so vital that we we are spending time and, and we are beholding the face of God. For by it, that is how we make him known to the world. You know, I recently saw a video of Tiger Woods. And it was a video comparing Tiger to his son, who's now, I guess, a pretty good golfer. 
And uh, it's amazing. It took like five different of, of Tiger's like key mannerisms, you know? Like after he swung the club, kind of how he let it drop in his hand and then uh, kind of how after his mannerisms, after he, he, he made a putt. It went through like five of these and, it, and then it showed him and then it showed his son. And would you know it that his son had the exact same mannerisms, even down to wiping his nose. I mean, they had it side by side. It was unbelievable. Why is that? Well, it's because of the amount of time that they had spent together working on that, that they reflected one another even though they were a generation apart. To grow in respect to salvation is to grow in your understanding and your application of how the gospel shapes every aspect of your life. The gospel just didn't give you a new life when you received it. It has been working to shape you And as you apply that truth, it goes into every area of your life. Listen to how it works. As the word grows us, we begin to value the kingdom of God more than our earthly lives. As we grow in our knowledge of God and the gospel, it begins to shape our decisions about how we spend our time, how we spend our money, what we're placing our value and our hope in. As we grow in our knowledge of God, we, we realize that serving God is the most important thing. And so our lifestyle choices start to reflect that. That means that we begin making uh, counter-cultural, kingdom-minded decisions. They're decisions that other people don't understand. They're decisions that the world can't comprehend. But they are decisions that are in view of an eternal reward and of a kingdom that not only is coming, but that is here. This is reflected beautifully in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And in verse 24, the Bible says that by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the word of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. You see, he saw what was coming as more valuable than, than, than where he was living. He saw that living for God was, was far exceeded its value than what he had currently been given temporally. He says, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. You know, no matter how good it gets for you in this life, materially speaking, it's all Egypt. And we, as the church of God, are called to look beyond to a treasure and a rich, a riches far, far greater. Spiritual growth is being able to see what truly matters, and that requires eyes of faith. And again, how do we get those eyes of faith? Through the words of Christ. True growth is not necessarily about doing more. It's about an increased knowledge and confidence in God's plan of redemption at work in the world. He is working his plan of salvation out in the world through you. And his spirit is at work right now out in the world. And it's on display through his people. And it's in display through his work in the church. Let's commit today to to grow through God's word in the things that truly matter. You know, I don't know any place in scripture this is more beautifully depicted than in uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians. 
And in chapter three there, in verse seven, Paul writes, whatever things, well, whatever things were gained to me, those I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, when he says that word in view, that means he was looking at his current situation through eyes of faith. And he was able to set aside the things that truly didn't matter. And he was able to pursue on the things that truly did matter because of the eyes of faith that he had obtained through his knowledge of the workings of the Lord. He says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Listen, friend, where do you want to be found at the end of your road? Do you want to be found having grown in every area except the one that truly matters? He says here, I want to be found in him. I want to be found in Christ. And if you want to be found in Christ at the end of your road, which is truly not the end for the believer, we must be investing in the things that cause growth here today. What will it take for you to grow? You have to align the objective in growth. You have to evaluate your desire to grow. You have to identify the hindrances in your life to growth. You have to understand the source of your growth, but none of this matters if you aren't in Christ. There's a big if there in verse three. And, and look, look at it with me if you don't mind. First Peter chapter two and verse three, the Bible says, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. You know, that if is the difference maker between eternity in heaven and eternity in hell. That if is the difference maker in achieving all the world could have to offer and having it all dissolve and burn away. He says, if you've tasted of the kindness of the Lord, one cannot grow in respect to salvation if one has not received salvation. Remember what John says in chapter one, but as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the children of God. As a believer's tasting begins with our initiation into the faith through the gospel. And I want to ask every single person in the room and those watching online, have you tasted? Have you tasted of the goodness of God through the beauty of the gospel? This is depicted so beautifully in Titus chapter three and verse three. The Bible says we also were foolish ourselves. We were disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But look at verse four. When the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. He saved us, not on the basis of of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. If you have tasted of the kindness of of the Lord, that means that you have a testimony. That means that there's a time in your life when you can look back and you can remember where you were, enslaved to sin, lost, hopeless, and then the kindness of the Lord appeared to you and the outstretched arm of his Savior lifted you up 
and made the great exchange. You gave him your sin and he gave you new life. When was that for you? I hope that you can remember. I hope that that that, that taste that you had of salvation is, is still very vivid in your mind. And if you haven't tasted of the goodness of the Lord, what would stop you from doing that today? What would stop you from doing that today? Remember what the book of Hebrews says, chapter two and verse number three, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Let's not neglect the calling of the Lord on our lives today. And if you're in Christ, and if you have tasted of his kindness, are you growing? Listen, we've seen what it takes to grow from God's word. Are you growing? What is holding you back? Don't receive salvation and then neglect to grow in regards to salvation. Let's respond to the word of the Lord today. Let's invest in the things that truly matter, growth in kingdom growth, growth through God's word. Let's find life in the pages of scripture and let's be a church that not only grows numerically, but one that's growing deeper spiritually, for that truly is what the world needs, don't they? Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you. God, thank you so much just for your word, Lord. It's, it's living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, we thank you for, Lord, piercing our hearts this morning with this truth. God, thank you for piercing my heart. Father, thank you for saving me, Lord, all those many years ago. Lord, you, you reached out your hand for me. And God, it was the privilege of my life to receive not only new life in you, but Father, to have a calling. And Lord, to, to, to receive an invitation to grow deeper into you. Lord, I want to know you. And Father, we are a people who, who desire to know you deeper. And God, I pray you'd give us, Lord, eyes of faith to look at the world around us and, and see it and invest in the things that truly matter. And God, I ask that you would, Lord, um, give us boldness to respond to whatever it is you've, you've, you've spoken to us about today. God, for the person in the room are hearing this message, Lord, today that has not tasted of you, Father, that don't let him go. Father, don't, don't, don't stop knocking on the door of their heart. God, I pray that they would open up their life to you today. They would receive your salvation and that, Father, they would truly, for the very first time, taste of, of that milk which truly satisfies. God, for all that you do, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for this church and for its testimony of faithfulness. God, I ask that you would move during this invitation time. We ask this in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen.